Welcome to Lever Up Your Life. I'm Nate Barger. I went from prison time and bankruptcy to now owning over $200 million in real estate. I wanna show you guys all the mistakes I made so you don't make the same mistakes. It's time you create massive wealth for yourself. Welcome to Lever Up Podcast, where I'm gonna introduce you to one of my friends who's levered up his life and killed his W-2. He's an owner, part owner of the Stream Group and has a holding company that also edu educates normal people just like you guys, a lot of you guys. It's called the Firehouse Brothers. So look him up out of Columbus, Ohio, Seth Tego. Hey, thank you for having me on hey, today. Are you related to Bugsy Siegel? I am or are you not. just kind of sound the same? Okay. <laughs> just sounds okay. similar. Okay. How you doing today, brother? Doing good, man. Thank you for having me out here. Man, thank you for coming all the way down Love from it. beautiful yeah. Columbus, Ohio. Absolutely. So, man, I'm gonna jump in because I always like to go back to the beginning. Um what I want to try to accomplish in this lever up is to let people know that look, we all have circumstances that we have to overcome. Nobody has this perfect life that they were born into. And so I don't know your story, but I know where everybody has a story. Absolutely. So tell us about, you know, where you were born at, how you were raised up. Yeah. So I was born in Minot, North Dakota, about an hour south of Canada, which most people don't know where North Dakota is on the map, right? It's all right. So guys, he had all <laughs> the odds against him. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Right? Go ahead, brother. I grew up in the tundra, 60 below zero winners. Um, so I grew up there. I moved to Florida uh, out of high school. Guy what a into, big, what a big yeah, shot there, man. A guy that I went to, I kind of grew up with his family was in the Air Force and they got transferred to uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida area. And no, wait, you got transferred with his family? No, his family got transferred. We stayed in contact. So when okay. I was in high school, I went down and visited because I had never been to Florida. And, what and, part? Uh, Fort Walton Beach, Destin okay. area. So like oh, Eglin, yeah. Eglin yeah. Air Force Base is where his family was Beautiful, at. beautiful yeah, area. Yeah, I, I loved it. So I was did that in high school with the plans after I was there. I mean, that was life-changing to go see the ocean for the first time. Wow. See the beach for the first time. I think I was 16 years old. So I knew out of high school I was going to move down there. So I moved down there. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Started doing a little bit of college, but I lived right down the street from a firehouse. And mm. I watched the fire engines go by all the time. And uh, I, I just kind of got curious about, like, what would that be like? You did, did you see the now hiring sign <laughs> on the back of the fire truck? I did not. I did not <laughs> see that. I should. But uh, so I went down to the station Kind of talked to those guys, found out what I needed to do. Um, they were allowed me to kind of do a ride along. So I rode along with them. We went on a couple of different runs. And when we went on those runs, just the what I saw was a, one was a car accident. One was a cardiac arrest. Uh, I was like, man, this is this is amazing. Like life changing work that these guys were doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is it. So I jumped into the fire service right after that. I was, it was 18. So, so you went down when you were 16. Now, what kind of what kind of upbringing did you have your family? Well, I, I would say probably just regular blue collar, you know, like my mom went to some college, did some college, but then raised us. So she was a stay at home mom. Uh, my dad was in the military, uh, got out, had an insurance company for a while, was an entrepreneur, then got out of that. And then he basically did uh, car sales. He's one of the number one car sales wow. guys in North Dakota for years. Uh, but, you know, that was it. They worked. They worked hard. Uh, they When they split up, I was in fifth grade when they got divorced. Oh, so then my mom yeah. had uh, all four of us with no real college education mm -hmm. and really didn't know what to do. You know, and she was, I mean, we talk about it now where she was, she went to radio ad sales, making 25,000 a year back in the eighties mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, struggling to make, get by with all four of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was wow. definitely like the, the blue collar black background, you know, kind of put your head down, work harder, 
that was it. That was a mentality. So how did that, I mean, as a kid, have you ever went back and, you know, I had to go back and counseling and do all that to try to unravel my, but there's always side effects when your parents split up like that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever went back and dug into that? I have not. Um, I know some of my siblings have, they've done, they've, they have reached out to people and kind of dealt with it, but I have not ever felt the need to. And and the only reason I'm saying that is because I want people to know that, you know, your journey and everybody always, the people that aren't pushing themselves, the people that me and you are trying to reach yeah. and grab are the people that are saying, oh, well, he had it better than me, you know, and that's the only reason he's doing good. Yeah. No, now, I'm trying to reach you guys, man, because that's not the truth. Yeah. No, I mean, when I was 14, I mean, I, I was always a grinder. I was always a hustler. When I was 14, you know, my dad took me the week before. In North Dakota, you had to be 14 in order to um, to work. And he took me like the week before my 14th birthday and I got a job busting tables at a restaurant and I've had a, you know, I've always been doing something, uh, and, and just kind of had that scrapper mentality as my mom would like to say. So Mm -hmm. pushing myself. So, so you started down there, you were what, 18? Yep. When I moved down, there was 18. And when you started at the fire department, you took the test, you passed, they said, come on in here, big boy. We can have, we don't even need the jaws of life. We could just have you rip the cars <laughs> open. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was a little bit of a struggle because in Florida where I was at, you had to go to, you had actually had to go to a fire academy. You had to go to EMT school, medic school, and you had to do all that before you could get a job. So I went through fire, fire, you know, I went through fire school, went through EMT school, Finally got on somewhere, then I ended up having to go to medic school. Uh, but, you know, even that was a struggle because I had nobody helping me. I was working full-time during the day, and they were going to school at night. So you were now, at this point, you weren't living with your buddy. You were living on your own down yep. there? Yep, I was living on my own. Yep. A and little, that, little, small little duplex. So but, no no family members around, just your buddy? He was still down there? Well, so he, it's an interesting story. So he moved down there, was there for a couple of months, and realized that he missed his family, who was in North Dakota. Again, they had... so. Between the time I went down there and visited, and then when I actually moved there, his dad was about to get out of the Air Force, and he was from North Dakota originally, so they transferred back up there. Wow. So when we went back down, my friend was like, you know, he missed his high school friends and whatnot, and so he went back, lived there for about two months, and he said, you know what, this, like, I'm kind of over it, right? It was his hometown, you know, he grew up, uh, or he kind of felt that way, and missed his family, so he left me down there, went back to North Dakota, and I stayed. What's his name? <laughs> Eric Stuberg, if you're listening. Eric, you sold him out, <laughs> man, but that's okay. Look at him now. That's it. So so then how did you make your transition from there? Uh, woman, why else would you come to Columbus, Ohio? That's right. Uh, so I worked down there for about eight years, uh, met my wife. I lived and worked through several hurricanes, so Hurricane Ivan, Dennis, Katrina, some pretty big impactful wow. ones of the Gulf Coast down there. Um, I was on some strike teams and – some USAR teams, you know, doing body recovery, doing kind of helping after those hurricanes. And I just realized that like, I'm not, I have no family down here. I have no um, siblings. Uh, you know, this is just not what I want to be where I want to live full time. I'd rather be a, like a tra- you know, um, uh, vacationer, you know, it was, so I was like, does, I, does Florida, does Florida not, if you live down there, do you not appreciate it as much? I think you do. But like, for me, I had to live 45 minutes from the beach because of the, of the price. Pay. Right. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the working in the municipality and in government in the Southeast, you're not making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And so for you to be able to live, you have to live farther from the water. And I worked right on the water. Uh, and I, and I loved it when I was in my twenties, but as I started getting older and thinking I was gonna have kids and settle down, I'm like, well, where am I going to live? And I was gonna have to live like 45 minutes to an hour North of where I worked. And I was yeah. like, Burning after time. I saw all the devastation from the hurricanes, I thought, man, there's gotta be something let's, I, I'd rather go back up North 
and then just vacation down here and then get to enjoy everything. Cause mm-hmm. if you've ever been to Destin or Fort Walton or those areas, like they cater to the vacation people, you yep. know, uh, yep. they, it's not made, it's, it, it's not made for the locals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So anyways, my wife's, um, her father flew for net jets. He did a career in the military. Uh, then he started flying for net jets back when it was, you know, it was a very small company. And they lived in Pickerington, which is a suburb of Columbus. Yep, Pickerington. And so we came up and visited a couple times. I loved it. They had Ohio, Ohio State football. They had the Columbus Blue Jackets. I played hockey yeah. growing up. And wow, uh, you played hockey? Yeah, my brother and I played. Wow, you're huge, line. man. You're six seven. Yep. And you're rolling down them roller skates, man. You must have tore some people up. Yeah, didn't my, you? my brother, he's six five, so we were on the same defensive line for quite a while when we were growing up, and it was. It was wow. Fun. And North now did did they have other big? Guys like you guys up there yeah, in North I mean, Dakota? I, think, I, don't, I don't think I was. I, I never realized this, that I was that much bigger than everybody until I got older, you know. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I've always been tall. Yeah, until you met your partner, your business yeah, partner. right. Hey, I'm just kidding in there, brother. Yeah, he's in the other room. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was it. We, we, um, we you know, that was the, the agreeable uh, move up north was we had to go somewhere that wasn't North Dakota because she didn't want to go live in the tundra. And Oh, so you met her down there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you guys made this decision to move to ohio together yeah yeah i went to move i was ready to move up north and she was like i'm only going uh we looked at a couple different places but columbus was you had to be a firefighter paramedic and i didn't want to step backwards in my career so i was like well let's go i'll agree to go to ohio so you know i came up and saw it and, and i liked the area so we we moved up here now we vacation down there now regularly and i love so that. guys you are looking at the only man in the world that's ever moved from florida to ohio it usually happens the other way yeah around. it usually does that's for sure <laughs> and then so what made you want to get into real estate how long did you when, did you come up here were you uh being a firefighter before you realized like man i i, I can do something different uh, so I, we moved in 08 the end of 08 uh, i got on full-time up here in 2009 and then we had our daughter in 2012, and it's probably 2014-ish when I realized that my paycheck was getting stretched. It didn't matter how much I worked. Uh, it was always never enough. Um, you know, with inflation and other things that were happening, like even though I, I was getting a 3% annual raise, inflation was still outpacing my... my. Well, the government back then was saying it was 2%. Yeah, but you were looking in your checking account like, hold on, man, the math ain't mathing. Yeah, so I was, I got, you know, I kind of got put up against the wall where... The year that I really kind of decided I had to do something else, I worked a thousand hours of overtime, and we, wow. we at the end of the year we sat down and it was six months that I had been at the fire station out of twelve, like day and night, gone. And I'm like, this is not sustainable. A thousand hours of overtime? Yeah, because we do twenty four hour shifts. Yeah, that's insane. Wow. Yeah. So I knew I had to figure out something else, um, and I didn't really know what that was going to be. Well, at, during that time, it was kind of like when. MySpace was ending and Facebook was still kind of taking off. Mm-hmm. I reconnected with a guy that I, when I was in college, it was a roommate and he was this multimillionaire, real estate investor, wholesaler, house flipper, had his own education program. And I was like, well, where's he out of Pensacola, Florida? Oh, wow. So I was wow. like, how did Matt go from the guy I knew to this multimillionaire? Like I went into the fire service and he went into real estate. He was going to be a, uh, an, a realtor when I had last talked to him. So I reached out to him and he was like, Hey man, Great to catch up. He sent me, emailed me an MP3 program of like his house flipping, seven day house flipping course. And I remember driving around in my car, going into the email, listening to the MP3 overhead. And that was the first time I'd ever heard anybody that wasn't on like HGTV talk about house flipping. Um, 
And, you know, it was really like, I think before the burst strategy was a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. He it was just about a cash out stuff. refi. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like systematizing the flips, using the same carpet, the same paint, the same vanities, all that stuff and how you can scale. And that was how he created the wealth that he had at the time. And I was like, well, I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Like, mm -hmm. And so I. Because you were like, Matt, you're not much smarter than me. <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. And so I reached but, back. But see, that was you reflecting and realizing that you could do it. And so from the moment you realize in life, guys, that you can do something, you start, you start this, these uh, balls moving and these gears just start to crush everything. And they start to multiply. You got the little small gears turning the big, huge gear up there. That never happens if you don't believe in yourself, though. That's the mindset. Absolutely. Man. That's the mindset. Yep. Yeah. So I realized talking with him, he gave me three things to do. He said, read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I did. I mean, and I was like a sponge. So as soon as he told me that, I think I called him back in like two or three days. And I was like, hey, I'm done. That book, I mean, just changed my whole mindset. And I never knew before what an asset liability was. A lot of people have read that book. Mm -hmm. um, he told me then to find a local real estate meetup. So I started like Googling real estate meetups in my area. Like, where do I go? What does that look like? I was super nervous and scared to go to the very first one. I didn't really know what to do, uh, but he was like pushing me to go do that. And then I did. And then he was like, you need to find a the third thing was find a local mentor because he was in Florida. The market he was in in Florida was different than what I was yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you got to find somebody local that will, that you can provide some value to or that they'll like, do whatever you got to do to be able to like kind of get their attention. And at that time I, so I was like, okay, so now I'm on the hunt. I'm looking for somebody. I ran into a guy that was a contractor who was also a real estate investor had been, had a W2 job, had left for investing. And I was like, look, I'll, I'll do whatever you need uh, to, to learn from you and kind of get that on the job, on the job training. And through my background in the fire service and construction and doing fire, you know, fire code inspections, building inspections, I knew enough about construction that where I felt like I could manage his projects. And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that was kind of how I plugged in was I started managing his flips. And then he had a small rental portfolio where he's like, look, man, I need help managing this stuff. Like it's eating up all my time. I got to go meet these tenants. I got to go sign these leases. Like if you'll work with me, I'll, you know, I'll kind of teach you the, the property management aspect of things. So I did that for a year. And after a year of now, were you it, still working overtime? No. Then? So that was why I went to my wife and I was like, look, you know, I still have my career. I was working my 24 on 48 off. But that's what I had. That was my my value to create for him was I've got time. He didn't have time, but he he had the experience. I had no experience, but I had time. And so I was willing to trade my time to gain the experience so that I could at some point move forward on my own. But but you said something there that I want the viewers to realize that all that he gave up for his family because they were getting less time with him and less money. So kudos to your wife, man. Yeah, you she's, know, like she's that. Been like my wife was the same way. And 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 man, it's just the more I go through this with people, the more I see it over. There's patterns. The patterns mm -hmm. are, I didn't grow up rich, you know, but I, I I believed I could do it. And then you had your support. Where was your support? What was your why? Mm -hmm. That's the ingredients. And then it was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, a lot of stories that came out of that year of working with him. Uh, a lot of stuff that I did. I mean, spraying for bed bugs. I mean, all kinds of stuff I was doing, trying to do it 
because that's what he needed done. And I'm like, you know, but the value that I saw that I wasn't getting monetarily, I was getting an education mm-hmm. and why are you doing it this way? Why wouldn't you do it this, you know, this way? How do you do this? How do you do that? Like, and, and I just had that, I gained that open line of communication with him. He took my phone calls. We were together every day when I was at the firehouse and I learned a tremendous amount. And part now of you were working for free for him. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think he paid me a little bit here and there, but it was mainly like performance based. So yep. if I could get a lease signed rather than pay a management company a, a whole month's lease, he'd kick me a couple hundred bucks, yep, yep. you know, or if the, if the flip was profitable, he would cut me out a couple percent of that at the end. But I mean, some of these flips that we got into, as I look back at it now, I'm like, man, I never would have bought that property because he barely broke even, which is why never would have bought it. Or if you look back now, you say, I never would have sold it. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, now I mean, it's worth me, double what you, what sure. you sold it for. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I learned a lot in that year. Uh, the big thing that I learned was that if I wanted to maintain a career, which at that point in time in my life, I still thought I would, I had to get, I had to, I had to get bigger. I had to build in efficiencies to where I'd be big enough to where I could pay people to manage my properties or to do whatever. Cause it was a job. Yeah. It's, it yeah, was it's miserable. I mean, it was, I'd go from one job at the firehouse and now instead of working overtime, I'm making less money. It's another job. I'm overseeing all these people and I may or may not have any kind of monetary gain. Um, and at the end of a year, I thought, and I learned again, throughout that time, like multifamily scaling, getting bigger, getting into bigger deals. Uh, and so I was just dead set on getting into like a big multifamily deal because I thought that that was the way for me to be big enough to, uh, have a management company to be able to do the renovations and the construction. Like I knew that Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to manage a property at the time. I didn't know what that would take. So I thought, well, shoot, I'll buy something big enough to where I could pay somebody to manage it. Wow, really? But I can help. So can you help thought with the construction. bigger? Yeah, the first deal I actually put my name on was a fifty unit. Wow! So I went from how no did you, how did you get that. that on? How did you get? How did you put all that together? So we did. You had that. Well, who was? Your, how did your mentor help you get there? I mean, that's a huge jump. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go from zero units to fifty. Yeah, uh, you know that was bigger than anything that he had. Um, and what did he think? Did he think you were? Well, he understood it, but he was so even to this day he's still flipping houses. And mm. so he's, st- you know, the, he just never could really move beyond like the house flipping was his bread and butter, his comfort zone. He was good at it. It was a regular thing for him. Uh, he had talked about wanting to get into bigger things, but just never could really make the leap. Um, and I knew that at the time, if I wanted to keep my career, I had to go bigger. Uh, and how I got the debt done was because I leveraged the experience I gained in that year. Mm. I had no rental property of my own to speak of. But wow, I, you see that? He hacked the system. Yeah, but I, so I, uh, so the bank allowed that experience to act as and and said that you could basically essentially buy the property. Yeah, so so I would say two contributing factors is one, I didn't have the money to do it. So I went to another investor who I had met through the real estate meetup and I had gotten to know and had a relationship with. Uh he had a bunch of properties he had never done a cash out refi on. So he did a cash out refi and he was in for 50% equity. I took my home equity line of credit. Again, I had no, I didn't have very much money in the bank. I took the, the money I had from the home equity line of credit, and I said, okay, we'll go this 50-50. I'm going to manage all the construction, the renovation, the burr process, uh, and then we're going to have somebody else manage the tenants and the leasing. And all So he what, was, what did he do? He just put the capital in. So He, he put all the capital? He, no. no what, I, what I had for my home equity line of credit, he took what he had, and I took what I had, and we put it together, and that made up the... So he put up most of the money. Right? Yeah. Got it, got Big it. Big okay. chunk, yep. So, guys, look at that. You'd rather own 50% of something than 100% of something smaller, right? Absolutely. And so all this time, all I can imagine is 
So your wife was 100% support. <laughs> you're going to do the HELOC. You're going to take all the equity out. You're going to take everything that we work for, and you're going to go put that in a property, and you've never even owned a property. Yeah, you want to buy a 50 no, unit? She was scared. Seth, are you insane? She was scared to death. Yeah, that's for sure. But did she still support you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, she knew that. I mean, I think she could see that I was passionate about it. I think, you know, I bet on myself, and, and she knew it had been around me long enough to know that if I set my mind to it, I was going to die before we lost money or that investor lost money or the thing didn't work out. But you know, that first deal, what I traded was, you know, I went from working all this overtime to working for somebody for free. Now I'm down on a property that's cash flowing, but not cash flowing enough to pay me anything. And I'm down there every day. And I, quit. so you, you, you thought you were going to have it easier, but it actually got way more harder. It did during that first deal. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, it, it was, I was down there I mean, every day I wasn't the firehouse. I would come into the firehouse in the morning. I'd be there all day. I'd leave at 730 in the morning and I would drive to the property and I would be down there till six o'clock at night. Picking up trash, listening to tenants complain, walking the hallways. Yeah. And I, I mean, I made sure they didn't know that I owned it, but what happened in a game. Oh, what did they say? There's a trash guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you got, I, I did not want them knowing that I owned it, but what I, what I realized and what I, you know, I learned, I didn't know what I didn't know when I bought that was that when I bought it, I thought, you know, I was given 50 leases and it was like, hey, here's what the, the place is making. The very first payout that we got, it was substantially less than what I saw on paper. And what I found out was that the former owner had, a, you know, a lot of people on subsidies there. And let's say this, the subsidy was paying 600, but the lease had 700. He was not collecting that additional 100 bucks. Oh. So immediately we were not upside down, but there was not a lot of cash flow. And then when we implemented a real management plan, I mean, people were leaving left and right. So I went from having a property that was 94% occupied down to like 76 wow. overnight. And I really quickly realized that my original plan of me doing a lot of the renovations myself was not going to work because I couldn't keep up with the amount of vacancy and turn the unit. So instantly realized that I had to kind of take a step back and I've got to form a team of contractors that could work on the property and move through the units way faster than I could. Did you call an investor and say, Hey, we're going to need some more money or. Yeah. So I talked to him about it and then we just started leveraging, you know, two things. I called a, a gentleman that worked for Strongsville fire, uh, before he kind of mentored me through some phone calls on that first deal. I called him. I'm like, man, what do I do? And he was like, well, first of all, you're undercapitalized. Cause he asked me how much do you get in the bank? And I said, well, you got 50,000 left after closing. And he's like, that's not nearly enough. Yeah, you need 10000 a unit at so least. So he was like, you got to go raise some money. So I, I, you know, again, I couldn't be down there working on the units because now i got to be out trying to, what am I going to do? Raise money, yeah. And so that was my first experience doing that. Uh, did, you, did you know how to do it legally or did you just... No, I went to it. people that I knew that knew me that I had a good relationship with. No, I mean, but did you, you didn't do the 506B. You no, didn't know this none was, of that this was yet, post-closing. Right? This was all people's um, loaning Seth Teagle the money based on my character, based on my uh, ability to go there and sell them on what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and I think I raised about $200,000, $250,000. And then it because I was undercapitalized, I didn't do a bridge loan. I didn't even know what a bridge loan was back then. I ended up saying, okay, here's the money I've got. This has got to be successful. So myself and my stepdad ended up doing a lot of the big projects. Oh, your stepdad moved uh, up too? Yeah, he would come up from Arkansas. He would wow. fly up from Arkansas and come live with me for a month. Wow. Uh, and help me do the work. That's, I'm telling you, man, that's incredible, yeah, it was, man. It was a lot of scrapping and a lot of, you know, I mean, so it sounds cool when you say it, but the amount it of It sounds working, cool, but when, when, when that's happening, it's no, not No, it cool. was not. It was super scary, but, you know, it was either, it was either grind it out and figure out a way to Wow, he's got to be proud of you guys now. Or, yeah, or, or we fail and I go bankrupt because I've signed on not only the bank debt, 
that have been on all these personal loans from yep. other people, family members, friends, father, you know, parents of friends. Yeah, don't have a plan B. No. And, and, and tell people that, man. Get rid of your plan B. What do you what do you plan on failing? No, but what if I do? Well, you won't if you don't if you don't, you won't. Yeah. Yep, 100%. So that and, was it. And we so 14 months later we refinanced, we pulled out a million dollars. Wow. And like that was a million cash. It wasn't like so you well, put out a million cash. You paid off all your investors. Everybody, yep. Paid off the original investor. I got my original HELOC money back. And then we took the money that we had left over. And we're like, what are we going to do with this? So we went and bought another property. And I, it was in that second property. It was 38 units where I realized that if I wanted, like now I'm hooked, right? I, I just realized I made more money in this one deal yeah, than I would have made in 10 years, years of working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this and, is- and you ain't paying no taxes. No, exactly. When you get in now, do you, did you really understand the the maker's uh, schedule, the bonus depreciation, and everything? Then no. So you you now right? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a totally different world for me now. But back back then, so not only did he pull out the million, there's no taxes on that. Then the cash flow he gets, there's really you're deferring all the taxes on that. And, and guys, this is where the wealth is. If you guys are lost right now, and look, man. You guys need to get into real estate. Do you know 90% said 90% of millionaires make their wealth through real estate, yeah. either through actually owning the real estate or doing what you did, a HELOC, pouring that out and running their business. It's no better way to create wealth than real estate, in my no, opinion. And it, and I mean, it made me debt-free. I mean, immediately we were able to pay off everything that we had other than our house, which, again, I, I why I pay that off? I have a 3% mortgage on You it. get it. Some yeah. people don't get it. If you're over here listening to Dave Ramsey, man, you're trying to pay your house off. Look, he's going to have you eating ramen noodles. Only steak you're going to get is the little powdered steak you pour on top of that, man. <laughs> Listen to Seth Teagle and, and Nate Barger. We're going to show you guys how to lever up your life and get this money. Yeah. Yeah, so that was it. I mean, I was hooked. And at that point in time, it made sense to me now, at that time, why – uh, Jack, who's in Cleveland, why he left the fire service because he was farther down the road than I was. And he tried to tell me back when I first talked to him and I didn't understand it. I'm like, well, this is the best job in the world. Why would anybody ever want to leave? Yeah. And yeah. at that moment I realized, well, this is why you'd want to leave because yeah. I just made more in this one deal than I made in 10 years of working. And now I got to just go do it again. Now you know how to go do it again. Yeah. And so we, I got into the second deal and I'm like, this, you know, I'm working this out. It's great. And it's even better. And I'm like, now I'm like, but like I want to, I want to set up all these different buckets. I want to have five or six properties. I want to do, you know, get bigger. And in the, that's when I started really digging into syndication. That's when I started digging into how do I do this with other people's money? How can I help other people? That's when I met my partner, Tim. Um, and we realized again, him and I together was like pouring gasoline on the situation. He had experience. I had experience. He was good at things that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was good at things that he wasn't. And together we just became a, a force that, you know, we scaled, to, you know, we're, we're, you know, seven figure, I mean, or $185 million portfolio right now that we kind of oversee. We've got a management company. We've, it's gone crazy since the, those original days, but it wasn't that long ago where it happened. Yeah. And that $185 million is just going to go, you got your stuff all up in Columbus around there, don't you? Yeah. So we've got our stuff in, in a lot of sub markets and tertiary markets because the, we, we said, okay, where do we, how do we get into bigger deals trying to go into Columbus was for the big players, the out-of-state guys, the overseas money. We well, were you got 185 million. You, you're well, getting now we to are. be. Yeah, you're. But when we be. started buying, we were we were looking like where do can we go? Where can we get the most many doors for our money? And so yeah. we went into some of these smaller markets where we were finding guys that had owned since the late 80s, early 90s. You know, they the were selling were super low. Yeah, they were selling. I mean, the like one we bought was the rents were two three hundred dollars below market, mm-hmm. and that guy bought in 1986. 
he sold it to us well below market, but he did very well on it. We bought it for what it was valued off the, the financials. And then we're renovating, we're doing the burst strategy, but we're just doing it with apartments. Yep. And when we go to sell that or we go to refi, we're pulling out millions instead of thousands. And yep. that's the difference is that I learned was, you know, if we want to make millions or scale by the millions, we have to play with millions. And that was, you know, that initial deal is what led me into all of that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. So where are you at now? How many units you guys got now? 185 million. That's a lot of units. Yeah. So we've got about 650 in central Ohio, 650 in central Ohio. And then we've got a third partner that um, he brings a, a pretty big portfolio. So between the three of us and our company as a whole, uh, it's around 15, 1600 doors. Wow. That's awesome, bro. So, yeah. We've got some in some other states. We're getting into some other markets, but our management company manages pretty much everything that we have in central Ohio, which again, you so know, you're vertically we, integrated at your guys. Yeah, we probably, maybe we did it a little too soon in Central Ohio, but we just continue to have bad experiences with third party management companies. No, I don't and, think you ever did it too soon. You know, you can't. Third party management companies are. I don't know. I, I can't say I've ever had one. It's like killer. Like, oh, these guys are great because they don't think like owners. Right. And, you know, if you're buying some class A stuff, maybe. But you, that's not where the money's at. You buy this class C stuff or B minus, you fix it up. That's where the real money's at. Yeah, and a lot of them aren't good at doing that. You know, I mean, they're they're great at, at bringing a stabilized property. Like, if you bring them a stabilized property, they can run that. Yeah. But if you're bringing them one that need, that is unstable. But there's no money in that. Right. You know, so, and then, you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it yourself because then you're building the culture and the decisions that are being made. You know, um, well, we, we could normalize the expenses. It was a lot more predictable when we're looking at deals. We know what our costs are, our construction costs. Yeah. All of those things are, are you know, our material. You know, we buying we buy flooring by like the container load versus just going and buying it at the store. I, and, I, I had one on um, one of my hotels and they said all the lines need snaked out. And then so they got a quote for forty thousand dollars. I sent two of my guys up there. And they got them all snaked out in two days. Well, and that's just it, right? Two if days. You get, you get a quote you know like that, you can me? hire somebody. Yeah. W2 or, or 1099 even for just that one project. Yep. And you just send them, set them loose and say, snake all these drains out. And you Snake you all these drains out. Took them, of, of it that. took them, they got through two floors in two days. So it'd take them another day to go back. Yep. So two days, three days max. You know, what? $500 a day each. I mean, for, for both of them. Yeah. It's a thousand bucks for 40 grand. Yep. I mean, it, and, and if you, you didn't multiply have st- those decisions over 100%. and over and over again. So yeah. I don't think you ever did it too soon. It's just that maybe it was a little bit more stress on you because you're. Well, and that's just it. I mean, you know, like I said, th- things look well polished now, and, and and I come and you know I say, oh, we got 185 million worth of assets. Like it sounds great, but the amount of hours and, and time that has has gone into that from Tim and I even now is in trying to build the team and get the right people in in places, and and that has been tremendous. Uh, the book Who Not How by Dan Sullivan really changed my mindset, my life because again, I was raised blue collar, firefighter you know, in the trades, blue collar mindset, I had to do the work. And I read that book. And it helped me realize early in that first deal that I had to kind of like let go of a lot of things and find somebody doing it 80% as good as I would do it. But they were still moving the needle for me. Yeah. And I I need to spend my time doing, you know, talking to investors or looking for another deal or looking at the global picture of that deal and saying, okay, how do I minimize the expenses? That's how can right. we buy more efficiently? How can we, you know, going to Lowe's or wherever and negotiating pricing and that's where my time is better spent. Yeah. You're building out systems Yep, and, and solving problems. And, you know, my partner, Matt, um, not him, another Matt, 
came to me one time and he said, Nate, you know, all we really do is get paid to solve problems. He said, the bigger the problems are, the more money we're going to make. Yeah. So let's go find some problems. <laughs> let's go find the big, <laughs> let's the big, go find some problems. problems. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next, man? Where you guys want to go now? I know you just hired you guys an asset manager. Yeah. So we, that's finally, amazing, man. Yeah. So we've scaled, um, we've got about 23 employees now. Uh, and then we just did our first executive hire where we were like, we need to bring on somebody that knows more than we do on how to make these things more efficient. Who's got, you know, the gentleman that we're hiring, you know, he's scaled and exited two property management companies. He knows exactly what to do and how to do it. You know, we're looking to get into third party management. We're looking to expand into other markets. And with that, rather than to give it to a third party management company, hiring local people in the market there, and then just having them come in and be part of our team. So I think that that's something that I've learned is, is leveraging other people's time, their knowledge and their resources versus me having to always be the one to figure it out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, there, there's a, a dollar metric that can be assigned to that where like for, for instance, this gentleman, for every dollar that I pay him, he makes me $12. Wow. I think we were looking at that metric today, uh, actually on the, on the ride over here was how do we consider, how do we put a number to the value of this gentleman? And that's what we, it looks, you know, if he went through and did everything that we've talked about, for every dollar I pay him, he's going to make me 12. Wow. So that's, that's a huge multiplier. And that's how you start generating wealth as well. That's it. That's it. And that's called human capital. And you guys don't listen, you're either hiring human capital, or you are human capital, right? And so I'm not trying to say that in a negative connotation, negative way, but realize where you're at in your life and what role you're playing in your life. And some people, you may be totally happy with your job, but if you're ready to kill your W-2, you make sure you ch- check out Seth at the Firehouse Brothers. He's got an uh, educational platform over there for you guys. And follow him on social media. How do they follow you, brother? Oh, we're on uh, Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram. Um, the firehousebros.com is our educational platform. And, and really, that, like, that's what we're trying to do. Like you, with the burst strategy, I mean, it's like, how do we, we know where we were at and we know where we're at now. How many people can we bring along with us? And That's can, it, man. It's changed lives, man. Oh, and 100%. I can't tell you how many people yeah. in, in, in my academy whose lives have just been changed forever. And it's not just and that person. It's, it's a legacy change. It's a legacy. And so I told this lady, I'm writing a book right now. It's called My Parents Bankrupt Me. It's the old way mm-hmm. of thinking. Well, you should go to college. Why? And, and, and so, and then it was, um, I said, I want to create 10 million millionaires. And uh, they were like, uh, do you know how many millionaires there? I said, yes, 22 million in the United States right now. It's 54 million in the world. I know. And they were like, well, don't you think that's a high number? Do you want to mm-hmm. change it? I said, no. Let's make it 12 million. Yeah, you want to change it? You know, it's uh, because you realize that as you change these people, their mindset, they're changing people's mindset around them, and it just goes on. And it's not me directly, right? It's indirectly, but it's going out here, and that's what I was telling Matt yesterday, what the mission and the goal is for us. What I want to do, I want to create a nonprofit, and I want to have all these people all over the country. We already got a ton of people in every city across the country. You want to go back and you want to get back. That's mm-hmm. just natural what happens. Now, if you're in survival mode, that's hard to comprehend, right? Um, and so that's our passion, man. We want to go back into the inner city. That's where I came from, mm-hmm. growing up selling drugs. And I'm going to reach those people before they get out there. Yeah. And I want to help them change their life because, man, you breaking through and understanding this and understanding finances, it, there's so much wealth out here, right? Absolutely. And so it's like you say you got $185 million worth of real estate, but then 
you're looking at yourself and I got about 250 million, but I'm like, man, I'm not that big. I'm kind of small, you know, yeah. but people think you're big. Like you said, you got a thousand people behind you, but if you compare yourself to them, you'll never grow. You got to compare yourself to the people that are, you yeah. know, getting I mean, bigger. and I think for me, what I always try to tell people is, is you got to get in the right rooms, you know, even like me today coming down, you know, to get in the room with you for us to talk, for us to meet. I mean, it's, it's a big deal for us. Uh, and because you're doing more than we are, you're farther down the road than us. You know, it's not, that, that's the thing I think that I love about real estate too, is there's a lot of people that, that, that don't compare themselves. Right. But you're, what I can learn from you and glean from you, I can in turn give that. Now we're going to do deals together. You guys are in Columbus. Oh, 100%. Man, I, mean, I get deals ready off for that. market Absolutely. and I'm like, what do you guys want to do, man? Yeah. Sky's the limit. What do you guys want to do? Yeah. Matter of fact, I got an acre up there right now that we can get. And it's in, I'll tell you about that. I was in Columbus. When were we up there? Did you went? No, Colby went. I was up there Friday. And we got a building on Long Street that we're buying, but we got an end to somebody up there who has a lot of property who's selling it. They're in their mm-hmm. 80s. So we can get a lot of property up there. You guys ready to roll? Let's go. So you want to build? Yeah, we're You want to renovate? Yep. You're going to do it all. Yep. And the reason why I am not afraid to build in Columbus, Ohio, is because there is so much more demand that's needed the, the property prices are just going to continue to go up in value until they hit equilibrium. Yeah. By the time they hit equilibrium, that's that's a moving target. Um, I mean, it's going to be crazy to see what happens in that market, man. That could end up being, you know, one of the – they're saying – I don't even know, Seth. You maybe know better than me. Do you know how many people you guys are projected to go to by 2050? No. I, I, I You know, they there's another plant that Intel's doing – that they did that they started like 20 years ago, and I believe it's New Mexico – uh, where it's at but if you look at the map of that city from where it started till where it is today the amount of growth it is like 10x what anybody would have imagined and this is going to be you know it's like five times bigger than that one and so i don't think i always tell people in my local area because i live you know less than 15 minutes from the site and there's a lot of people that don't want to be developed or they're negative about the you know losing the rural area and, and i hate that for them but it's going to be, you know, like you take your worst nightmare for people that live near me and you got a 10 exit. I mean, it, the amount of not only jobs and things it's going to create for the people that are going to work at Intel, but the amount of, su- you know, subsidiary businesses that are going to get drawn in. Uh, Bayer Paint is moving from California already. Uh, there's really? all kinds of different people that are Wait, coming. Wait, Bayer Paint? Yeah, their main manufacturing facility in California is moving to Heath, Ohio, right over by uh, Boeing. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... Well, and do you know why they're moving from there? Just taxes? Just taxes. Wages? And then, yeah, and then all... The, I mean, like I said, there's... there's Let's other, go Ohio! Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be crazy, and that's the, that's you the got, thing. You, you know you got a $4 billion hospital they're finishing up. Mm-hmm. You also have an electric automobile maker that's coming in over there. Yep. I mean, how many billions is that? I don't even... I mean, I... I it's don't insane. Know my head, but it's it's crazy, guys. Man. It is insane, man. It's insane, and I look forward to going up there with you guys and invest and do some deals together, man. Absolutely. So we can go watch some OH. That's an IO. That's there it. you go. That's what I'm talking about. We get box seats at the Buckeyes game. That'll yeah, there time. you go. That yeah, that'd be. I don't know if you can even get them out. Don't matter <laughs> you how might much. Not. It been, don't matter how much money you yeah, got. Right. I ain't reserved for nah, forever. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's it. So we're yeah developing right now. We got a big development we're doing. So tell uh, us about that, your development you're doing. So we, we were doing um, the burst strategy basically in these apartment complexes and then through broker relationships, a broker that lives out Licking County called us uh, last fall before the Intel announcement said, hey, look, we got 150 acres. It's in the city of Heath. It's, um, you know, great opportunity. Are you guys interested? And we looked it over 
and got it in contract. And then like right after we got in contract, I think Intel announced that they were going to be building. Whoa. And so like right now it's going to be, I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be about 750 doors. Wow. Between apartments, condos, condos and houses. And houses. Uh, and it's the first large development that we've done, but not the lar- first large development that one of our partners has done. So and, you getting subsidies for that? Uh, so we've got, yeah, right now we've got a pretty big tax abatement, um, a TIF for 15 years, I think with the city on that. Wow. That's I mean, awesome. But they want to be developed. And that's the thing for us is like, we, when we're getting into those things, like we always go and sit down with the, with the decision makers. Yep. A lot of people will do drop and swaps or they'll kind of, um, I kind of hide the sale. And sometimes that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. In this particular situation, it makes sense for us to say, okay, what way are you swimming as a municipality? We want to swim that way. And we want to kind of get on board with you and, and make it work and make it happen because then they're, they're willing to work with us if we're willing to work with them mm-hmm. and make it even a more successful deal. And, and with yeah, what's they coming, want growth, they understand they want their yeah. jobs so they can get the taxes so they can get better schools and cyclical. And like you said, some people don't understand that they're just setting their ways. But that that way of thinking, those are probably older people, and they're gonna pass on before long, and that stuff will get developed. Yep. You know, it's just standing in the way. I hate of progress. To, I, you know, you hate to see it, but hey, if it's not gonna be me, it's gonna be somebody else. Yeah, right? no, and it's so, it's it's just capitalism, brother. Yep. Like this is the way this country runs, and that's why we can take care of people, take care of things, take care of the world, is because we don't have limiting beliefs on uh, you know the people that we allow to go out and do. Now we work with ethics, right, and morals. But we go out here and we make stuff happen. Yes. You're going to do 700 units, right? Yeah. And you're going to create massive amount of jobs, massive amount of uh, a velocity of money in that area. Absolutely. Which is going to create more jobs and good sustainable housing because you're going to do a good job of bringing the price in low so that you can, you know, pass that on to the consumer. Yeah. And, and too, just the infrastructure that's going to bring to the municipality. Water system is going to be upgraded. The sewer is going to be, system is going to be upgraded. All of those different benefits it's not going to just benefit us. The, the average person that lives there may not understand what's happening, but we're going. It's going to cause the city to upgrade a lot of their services. Going and they're going to get federal grants for that, though, yes. right? Yep. So it's more money. There you go, uh, man. Well, Seth, that is awesome, brother. 150 acres. So what's next? What What's the goal? Why are you doing all this? Where do you stop? Where do you want to get to? Uh, I mean, we don't. I don't think we have a cap on the investment side of things. You know, we we give a lot of regular people. Uh, an opportunity to invest in deals that they wouldn't otherwise be a part of because that's how you create wealth. So we, we don't really have a cap on that. And then as far as like our education stuff goes, you know, we are very passionate. I was passionate when I was in the fire service of teaching firefighters, new guys coming in and, you know, medic school, teaching new medics, you know, how how do we do it? And, and Tim and I are both very uh, passionate and excited about being able to help others go from where I was at being tired, wore out, stress at home, to, you know, getting to that next level and getting out, whatever that may look like. I mean, it might just be helping somebody get into a, a house hacking situation or, or a yep. four unit or, you know, not everybody's going to jump into a 50 unit, but you know, if it, if it, if I would have started my twenties by buying a duplex and having that tenant, that, that other person pay my mortgage, how far would I be? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, helping anybody kind of you know, move through those, those times because you can get into Like if you go out and do your first flip and you're like, I'm gonna go it alone. You can get upside down real fast. You can. And, and I want to share one thing with the viewers. I tell a lot of people, I got a system that will create you, uh, help you become a millionaire in five years. What he did, I don't recommend a lot of people do that. But the one thing I can tell you that I would recommend he d- did that, he was willing to give up a year of his life with no money. 
So he was totally dedicated where a lot of you guys still have to, you have to see and taste the carrot a little bit first, you know? Um, but man, by all means, if you got the experience and you are that dedicated to making it happen, there is nothing can, that can stop you except yourself. So Seth, I want to say thank you for coming on the show, brother. Man, that's that's awesome, brother. I can't wait to be on yours tomorrow. That's right. And I'm I can't excited. wait to do a deal with you guys, man. Yeah, you man. guys are We're crushing here. it, We're man. Go. Yeah, it's exciting. So Yeah, because I told Mike, uh, he's actually down there hiring an asset manager down in um we're starting our we're looking to start our own hospitality management company. Okay. Um, and we actually have, you know what? I'll tell you guys what. I got a deal in Columbus. I got two deals up there I'll talk to you guys about off camera, but um uh, one deal there and one is in um I'll tell you, man, it's an amazing deal. Yeah. Well, so. that, and that's the thing that we try to tell people. Like, you know, if you guys want to come to Columbus, I mean, we're already set up. We got the systems. We're ready to go. And that's also helped us grow is because we've strategically partnered with other people. And that's, you know, I don't want people to be, don't be afraid of partnering with the right person. The right people, people that you see are out here grinding, working hard, you know, and then know what your overlap is, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Absolutely. So, well, Seth, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yep. All right, thank you, man. Oh, one more thing. Uh, and so where can they reach you at again? Can uh, they find you, can, you, at? you can, on all social media handles, you can just look up Seth Teagle or uh, the firehousebros.com or the streamgroups.com. S-E-T-H-T-E-A-G-L-E. Yeah, they'll put that in the bottom, right? Link is in the bottom. Yep, they'll put that in there. Well, thank you, man, so much for coming. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Lever Up Your Life. If you could do me a huge favor and go lever up my reviews, leave me a five-star review. I appreciate it. And if you guys want to keep the conversation going, reach out to me on nate.barger on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and get in our free Facebook group. We got over 200,000 members. B-R-R-R-R, invest. We'll see you in the next episode.